Before we get into today's episode, I'm actually not going to ask you to donate or bookmark our Blick affiliate link or contact us about advertising your art-related product or service. We're all struggling right now, Uh, but Rebecca and I put a lot of effort into creating valuable content for you every week. And if you enjoy this show and it benefits your life, but you aren't able to donate, then please share the show with other artists. Aside from paying recurring bills, the biggest thing that we would like to be spending money on is growing our listener base and spreading this message to people who need to hear it. So my challenge to everyone listening is to share the show with at least three artists. If you do that, then we can keep growing and help more artists to improve their work and their lives. Thanks again for listening. On with the show. Hello and welcome to The Messy Studio with Rebecca Kroll, the podcast at the intersection of art, travel, entrepreneurship, philosophy, and life in general. I am Ross Tickner, Rebecca's audio producer, podcast guru, and her son. On today's episode, we are talking about those awkward moments. In the last episode, we talked about the remark often made about abstract artists, my kid could paint that. But there's a lot of other things people say and about artists that show a lack of understanding or even hostility toward art. When these happen in conversation, they can create some awkward moments. Most of us tend to feel defensive when this happens and we can miss an opportunity to elevate the conversation. Today we'll talk about some of these common remarks, consider why people make them, and ways to handle them gracefully. With me as always is Rebecca Kroll. Hello everyone. Um, I think everyone can relate to this as artists. We've all had these moments um, when someone says something and you're just sort of taken aback, even if you've heard it before. Um, And sometimes they're perfectly innocent questions, um, but the answer is kind of complicated. Like, um, you know, the the common one is how long did it take you to make that (laughs) or to paint it? And... um, you know, the the answer of some artists use, which I kind of like, is pretty much a lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> um, which, you know, is it's a good it's kind of a jokey but way to say it, but it's a good way to say, you know, it takes a lot of experience. It, the actual clock time isn't as important as everything else that went into it. Um but there are other remarks that you know, they they might seem a little um passive aggressive. Like people ask about the price, and then you tell them something, and they they sort of look askance, like what, what, really that much? You know, it's, it's kind of insulting. Um, or one of my friends once said to me, "It must be so much fun to just paint all day," <laughs> and I thought, "Well, it's actually." It's your job, I mean. Yes. <laughs> it, it, I enjoy it for sure. But It's better than a lot of other jobs, but it's still, it is, it is. for you, it's a job. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's a serious effort, you know, and um, the, the subtext of that seemed to be like, well, how nice for you that you can just do what you want all day long, you know, and I don't, I think she meant it kindly, but those kind of things where you just, you don't even really know what to say. Um and I was thinking about the fact that we we all actually, a lot of us, make those kind of assumptions about professions that we don't know anything about. Right. Um, you know, how, how many psychologists have heard people say something like, well, I guess I better watch what I say around you. 
<laughs> and people will say to somebody who like an actor, they'll say, oh, you must be so extroverted to do that. Or, you know, you must love being in the spotlight. And I know for a fact, people, there are people who act that are not at all extroverted. And it's a whole different mindset that they get into. Yeah, there's a lot of professions that if you're looking at it from the outside, you just have no idea what you have no idea. Yeah. And and that's the thing about art is that a lot of people when they're uh, they don't understand that art is a profession or a career mm-hmm. um, and, and that it's a job. And, and I, I had this just the other day with, uh, with somebody who I work with. Um, you know, I was talking about the podcast that we do. Um, and kind of like when I explain my role on the podcast, a lot of times um, I I tell people, well, uh, my mom, Rebecca, is is a career artist and she's very focused on helping people make better art. And I feel like my role on the podcast is to help them not starve to death. That that my like what I what I'm focused on here is like I want I want our listeners to make money off their art. I want this to be a a source of income for them. I want them to to survive and thrive and be healthy in their in their art lifestyle. And um and it, the immediately the combat the comment came back. Um yeah, but you can't make a living off of art. You know, you said tell that to my mom. Well, yeah, that's that's exactly what I said. I said my my mom makes a great living off of her art, and and it's funny too because this person uh, who had just made this comment said, "Oh yeah, my mom does too." And I'm like, "Okay, so you know that you can make a living off of art. Like you have this in your in your family, and and obviously you can. This can be a career, and this can be a a life that's fulfilling. And it's, and yeah, that financial, lucrative. the financial remarks, like I. I wrote down a whole bunch of these because it's a whole category of yeah. things people say. So we'll get, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, but it it really is the first thing that people often um, think of when when they encounter somebody who does consider it their job, their profession, right? Um, and and you know, really, a lot of people just don't know how to make the connection um, because they probably because they do think of it as more like a hobby. It's hard to make the connection. Uh, to know what to say. I, I think we all do this with people with other jobs, not ones that would normally be a hobby, but any other job, or not normally, but you know what I mean? It's like, if people think of it that way, well, if I'm going to enter into a conversation with almost anyone's profession, about anyone's profession, I you know, you have to find your way in. You have to say, well, oh, you're a lawyer. What type of law do you practice? Or something like that. You know, you have to kind of find your way in. And with art, um, it's it's pretty hard for people. Uh, one, of the, one of the remarks you often hear is, oh, you're a painter. Do you do, I hear, portraits, still lifes, or um, landscapes? You know? Right. <laughs> that's, that's the entry point. I'm like, uh, then when I say, well, actually, you know, it's abstract. And then the eyes glaze over because right, that's right. another whole topic. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I think that, um, you know, people are just trying to find common ground a lot of times. And in those efforts, they express certain biases or, or just not knowing, you know, what, um, what you're doing. And, um, because they they don't know what to say, the conversation kind of dies. They they can be very well intentioned and supportive and all that, but they just don't know what to say. So, um, I guess what I would like to talk about in this podcast is kind of how to move past those moments. Um, 
But I will say right up front, if somebody's truly insulting or aggressive to you, you have no obligation at all to educate them about art. <laughs> I mean, you could just say you're done with it, you know. But but many, many times, most times I'd say, um, like you just did with your friend that you were mentioning, you you know, you, you talk a little bit further and like, oh, okay, I kind of get that. Um, and sometimes when you've heard enough of the same remark, you kind of know what to say, but sometimes they can kind of blindside you a little bit. Um, and so I think it's especially difficult when it somebody in your family or a close friend really doesn't get what you do. And in those cases, I think our buttons can be pushed a little bit quicker. We sort of expect them to get what we do. And if they say one of these kind of things that shows that they really don't get it, you know, it can be, it can feel hurtful. Um, uh, one, of, one of the things you could say to some remark that somebody said that, you know, you, you sort of thought, oh, what, you don't get it was like, you know, like, I know it's hard for you to really understand um, what I do. And if you wanted to joke a little bit, you could say um, art is a mystery to a lot of people, including a lot of artists. So, <laughs> you know, this is not a straightforward topic a lot of times. Um, but anyway, I wanted to talk about some of these specific things that people say and, and, you know, kind of throw around some possible responses or things you could say that would maybe help them get it a little more, because I think that's the goal if you want to sort of educate people and give them a little insight. Um, and one of the ones, the first one I had down in my my list of things that I thought of was, it's kind of like that one I mentioned at the beginning, oh, you're, it must be so nice to just paint all day. But people also say, um, you're very, you're so lucky to be an artist, and you're so lucky to have an art career, and you're so lucky to have talent, and this, this lucky thing. And, you know, I feel like I would, I would be the first to acknowledge that luck has played into it. Um, but at the same time, you know, that that remark makes you feel a little defensive because you think, well, yes, luck, but tons of hard work and dedication and focus. <laughs> right, and a lot of risk as well. You know, a lot of people got, got some kind of talent that they could explore and turn into a career, and they choose to go kind of the standard route instead. And... Yeah. Um, and, you know, have a have a, a, a normal career and there's nothing wrong with that. You know, it, it can be a more secure way to, to raise a family. And, um, you know, there's a lot of reasons why people choose that path. But the fact is that you took a big risk in doubling down on art as a career and it, and, and against the advice of, of, I'm sure, nearly everyone who who spoke to you about that career decision <laughs> and and it's paid off for you and and so that that took an incredible amount of courage to do yeah good point and oftentimes when people say well you're so lucky to be able to do what you want to do you can almost hear the subtext there you know i i wish i had gone for what i really wanted to do and i've done this other thing and you know, it, it's it's hard seeing somebody um, who has taken those risks and made those decisions and they're doing well um, at a certain point in life, at least you might look back and say, wow, you know, I wish I had done that. So I don't find that remark offensive, but I, f I always feel like saying, and maybe I would say, 
it's luck and a lot of hard work, you know, and, and you say a lot of risk. Um, it's not just like this all falls in your lap and, um, you know, you can, you can achieve at a point where you start to achieve success. It may look like it, it fell in your lap to other people, but it probably didn't. I mean, you've been, you've been pursuing this for a long time before you get your big breaks or whatever. That said, you know, most of us can point to things that did seem like luck that did seem like, um, I was in the right place at the right time. I met the right person and that kind of thing. Uh, but you know, I guess there's an old cliche about that. Like, you know, what is it, Ross? I think you know it. <laughs> Luck is being prepared, opportunity and being prepared, or something like that. Right, right. Or, or you were a ten-year overnight success. Or yes, right, <laughs> right. And it, I understand that it can look that way um, from the outside. So I don't find that one particularly offensive. But I think it's a, that one's actually a good conversation starter. Because you can acknowledge, yeah, there's luck. I had this big break doing this or that, but you know, this other, other. Th- I was ready for it, you know. Um, but another one of the most common ones. Oh, we've all heard this so many times. So you, somebody says, "Oh, you know, what are you doing?" You say, "Well, I'm an artist." Oh, you know, my aunt is an artist, or you know, um, or my 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 daughter likes to draw or something, and it's like, um it kind of derails the conversation. <laughs> and, and again, this it's heartfelt. There's nothing wrong with it. It's positive. Um, but it's almost like if you said, uh, oh, you know, um, I'm from Canada and somebody else says, oh, you know, I knew somebody from Canada once, you know, <laughs> it's like, <laughs> okay. Well, good. you know, and it, it's funny too. <laughs> I get that all the time with, uh, with, with podcasting. Uh-huh. Um, you know, because there, at least in my in my age category, there are a lot of people who have put out three episodes of a of a podcast that they completely gave up on like immediately, and yeah. um, I, oftentimes when I'm talking to people and you know I talk about what I do and I've got this going on and this going on, the podcast comes up, and uh, I uh, it, it it happens fairly frequently that someone says, "Oh yeah, I ha- I had a podcast," and it's like, "Okay, well." what are you doing now? Like, are you continuing your yeah. podcast or, um, and there's a, there's most podcasts don't make it past seven episodes. And so if somebody says, yeah, we've produced, you know, a hundred episodes or, or even, you know, yeah. 25 episodes, I'm, I'm okay. So tell me more about your podcast. But when it's, oh yeah, I, I did three episodes and you know, I did, I just recorded it on my phone and, uh, posted it with Anchor, and I never got a website. I never did any of the other stuff uh-huh. that go. Yeah, I'm like, okay, so you don't, you didn't really have a podcast. You, you right. put something out there, and ten people listen to it, and you know that's great. You have some understanding of the process that that goes into it, um, but it's you have that bare bones. It's like saying, oh yeah, I, I went to a. Uh, uh, one of those uh, sip and drip classes one time or something. If somebody, if you tell them that you yeah. paint, you know, oh yeah, yeah I painted a picture and once. It's, well, it's okay. actually, <laughs> you know, I think the awkward part of that too is like you're talking to this person. They say, oh yeah, I know about podcasting. I've done three episodes or whatever. And then you're left in the position of saying, oh, well, actually, you know, I've been doing this for two and a half years. And right. Got, <laughs> you know, 150 episodes. And it's like, it. It that could be really awkward because you know it's like uh, oh but I'm so much more advanced. Well, you, you know, I, <laughs> what I what I tend to tell people if that comes up is well, if you need any help with your podcast, let me know. 
You know, that's good. Yeah, I, I'm. I am. I am ha- happy to help people. I don't want to. I. I don't want to take on their production of their podcast unless there's something in it for me. Um, but I'm happy to give people advice and and uh, help people out. And I've I've offered many people to help them start a podcast, and nobody yet has taken me up on it. <laughs> so, well, you know, it's a difference between you know this person trying to connect with what you just said, which is a very you know, good human attempt, but, you know, it's a missed opportunity. Whereas they could say, oh, you know, I know a little bit about podcasting, but, you know, I'd like to know more or something like that. And then it opens up, whereas otherwise it it does kind of tend to shut down if the other person doesn't want to talk about it beyond uh, their own personal association with it. Um, They know somebody who does it. They tried it themselves once um, that kind of thing. It, but you know, one of the, one of the remarks that you could make back is, um, if they say, well, um, yeah, you know, my neighbor paints or something like that. And you can say, well, then you know what an obsession it is, you know, <laughs> or something right. like that, like acknowledge it and say, you know, I feel that way too. I'm, it's, it's my life, you know, um, a lot of times what I do is I, I just say, oh, tell me about tell me about your podcast or tell me about your neighbor's right. art or because they're just trying. They're looking for an entry into the into your world and they want to they, they want you to know are. that you relate to the, that they can relate to you on some level. And so, yeah, immediately it's just, OK, well, where are you at? What's what's your level of understanding here? That's that's very true. And I um it, it's a good it, that's a good, generous way to get into it because you do want to show okay, I get that you're trying to get in to to understand what who I am or can I understand who you are by asking that question back. So um but but it does make people it makes a lot of artists feel a little defensive because what it what it does when people uh, do that is you feel like you're sort of in this tiny little pigeonhole then of <laughs> people they vaguely know who maybe once did some art, you know, and it's it feels awkward um when somebody says, you know, gives you that response. Um, although, of course, you recognize they're trying to make that connection and I, yeah, meet them where they are. Um, and and I would appreciate that if somebody did that to me about their own profession too, if I didn't know quite what to say to, you know, a veterinarian or something, you know, what do I know about this? Not much. Uh, if I gave them any little lead that they could come back and, and fill me in a little bit more, it'd be interesting. Uh, another one that people say a lot of times is you say, Oh yeah, well I, I'm an artist or whatever. I'm a painter. And they say, Oh, I can't even draw a stick figure or, Oh, I can't even draw a straight line, which is kind of another conversation stopper. <laughs> Cause what do you say back? Like poor you, or <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, Anything you say to that seems a little bit awkward um, because it sort of puts you on a pedestal, doesn't it? I mean, right. like, oh, you know, you must be so amazingly talented. And I think it it implies this personal superiority or something. I don't know what it is. But anyway, I don't – I think a lot of artists are uncomfortable with that. Um, and and you're not sure what to say when – when you get that kind of, um, oh, you you do something fabulous, I myself can do nothing, you know, right. in that realm anyway. Right. Yeah, I, I think that what's um, happening here is a lot of times in the in the entrepreneurial world what we what we refer to as imposter syndrome, where people view you as greater than you feel you are, 
and oh. you feel like you're you're just an imposter. You're 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 uh, you're playing the uh-huh. role of somebody's uh, idol when you're just a person mm-hmm. who's you know been working at this for ten years or whatever. That that sounds like it. Yeah, that that is it, and it it yeah, and you don't really know what to say because even acknowledging it, you're it feels wrong, you know, you can say, oh, yes, well, I am this or that, you know, I do draw very well or whatever it is. You can't really say that. I can't. I mean, I guess some people can, but um, I don't know. One of the one of the things you can say in return is, well, we all have our skills, you know, like, you know, I'm sure whoever is saying that has their own skill that has nothing to do with art, maybe, but it's, you know, just saying, hey, we, we can all do something well, you know, and I uh, beyond that that one that one always stops me. I don't know what right. to say. I just I just sort of chuckle. Oh, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I think a lot of this does come from you know kind of a like we what we talked about initially a, a financial insecurity, um, mm-hmm. an idea that uh, that you can't be financially successful in doing something that you love, and mm. I think that this is just like a way that a lot of people view the world, unfortunately. Uh-huh. Um, that they that the way that you are financially secure is by going to work for some company for twenty years until they give you a gold watch, and mm-hmm. or or that you have a, a profession that's recognized, like a lawyer, right. doctor, something right. that you you would be maybe self employed, but you would always have you know you you've been through school for many years, you have this advanced degree, and you're going to ride on that or uh, work with that and. Yeah, that I, I think you're right. It it's a it's a really different idea that right. you could you could do this. And beyond beyond the um the art world, there's a lot of these these things that people are passionate about that can be a career. Um you know, for example, uh my fiance recently took me fly fishing. Um and uh, it was my first time fly fishing. I was very proud to catch a couple smallmouth bass on a fly, and uh, um the the fishing guide who she had hired was somebody who she actually went to high school with. Um and uh this is a young guy and he's he's taking people on fly fishing trips. Yeah, what a job. Yeah. Oh, and, he's so lucky to have that job. Exactly. And it's, you know, he's got a family. He's he's doing this at tremendous personal risk. You know, how how risky is it to to be a fishing guide? You can only work for certain months out of the year. You basically have to have like a diverse uh, range of skills and things that you can capitalize on. Um, he took really good photos, and actually now he's going to be the photographer at our wedding. And <laughs> and yeah. so he's got these all these different things that he's cultivated into a skill set that is marketable that he can go out and make a living in a completely unconventional way. Yeah. And I think you're absolutely right. That is, that just seems so risky to so many people that it's hard to comprehend. And and of course, it is hard and it is risky to have a career as an artist. I mean, there's no way around it. It's it's a struggle a lot of times. Um, and actually, I'm I'm going to challenge that whole conception right now because <laughs> I I think that the the old way the old career path that I that I described earlier of going to work for somebody and having a stable job for 20 years I think that that's out the window. I think that 
that automation is going to come in and replace a huge number of those jobs. Um, if, if your uh, career path right now, if your young person is going into accounting, I'm sorry, QuickBooks is going to get to the point where you're you're out of a job, essentially. Well, I I I think that might be uh for another podcast. Right, <laughs> I mean right. we've talked about marketing, we've talked about, you know, how to do this. And it is not impossible, but it is hard work. Yeah, this is a rabbit trail that we can go on that's a whole a whole other episode. Sure. But I, I just want people to understand that in the world that is coming. Um, the world of the future. If you are not a creator, um, you're gonna be in trouble. And it's it's. I think it's super important to figure out what you can do that creates value for other people. And and if you're not creating, innovating, developing skills that that are useful to other humans, um, then you're it's it, you're gonna be in trouble financially. So actually, having a creative job path a a whether whether it's uh taking photos and fly fishing or being an artist uh you need to be creating your own source of income um otherwise you're dependent on somebody else and your job can be replaced by a robot okay so i i think i think that actually this is this is the safest way to go you know creating content <laughs> well and and you know that response what you just said if somebody challenges your economic path and people do that especially with young people um and say things that are you know very doubtful about one's ability to make it as an artist and that you know this that response that you just had would certainly be a good one um if somebody was seriously telling you not to do this um you know i one of the things that as I mentioned earlier on, there's this big category of things that people say to artists that have to do with money. Um, and one of the ones that we've probably all heard is something along the lines of, you know, my daughter wanted to major in art in college, you know, and I said, absolutely not. And pe so many people have been told that. And what you were just saying is, uh, yes, she could major in art and she can make it. She may have to do some other things along the way, but that doesn't mean she shouldn't major in art, you know. Right. And that and that mindset is it is going out the window because so many people, younger people now, are piecing together many different um, income streams to make it happen. And so um, that that remark is really dated. I recognize that. Um, and people, but people definitely still say that about people who are in college right now. Well, and I think that the traditional education path is designed for the traditional career path. And so if you want to be a creative, the traditional education path may not be right for you, but that's also a completely other discussion. We could talk for a half hour just about, <laughs> just about education in the, in the world well, that's coming. And I think, I think what, what happens is so many of the things that people say represent much bigger issues. And so what, you know, the last couple of things that you brought up, they are, they're like, if you sort of look at this statement and start looking at it more closely, there's a lot of things connected with it. Right. Um, well, and that's the case for so many of these awkward conversation starters because they come from a place largely of of ignorance of not understanding the context of the situation the context yeah and this, and that it's a simple remark it sounds simple but 
your response to it could be very complicated. And you may or may not want to go down that path with somebody. I mean, sometimes you just let this stuff go by. It's like another one that it's a pretty pretty upsetting remark that I've heard um, people in workshops say, and they are often um, women who after retirement have um, started with art. And I I would say women, just because most of them are women, this could apply to a man as well. But people say things like, um, have said to them things like, oh, so your spouse is okay with you having this expensive hobby or whatever. And it's it's very much diminishing their serious intention. Um, And the idea that the spouse is sort of worried about the finances or controlling the the finances in some way. And it's just, I mean, talk about old fashioned. That one is is just, you know, what could you even say? That one's pretty off the wall. Um, well, many times both spouses have expensive hobbies. And- that's true enough. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, another one, you know, there's a, there's a lot of things people don't understand about how the art world works. And, um, if you do choose to work with a gallery, and I know that you know not everyone does, and there certainly are other options, but my feeling about working with the gallery is, yes, they take 50%, but they do a whole lot of work to market for you, and you don't have to do that yourself. So, But people will often say, well, how much percentage does your gallery take? And I'll say, well, 50%. And their mouths drop open. It's like they cannot believe that. And I say, you know, this is a choice I make. I work with galleries. And if they do their job, I totally get that. I'm happy to give them 50%. That's their job. And so it's it's just sort of this kind of an opportunity to tell people what, what goes into selling work, I guess, if you do work with galleries and and how difficult it can be if you're if you don't want to do it yourself and right. you, you do want to hand that job over to somebody. And a lot of times artists are not great at marketing. And that's that's an area where they struggle. And so bringing in an expert who can do that for you is just a smart business decision, even if you have to give them half of your of the money that you make off of a piece. Right. Um, and it's I, my attitude as a as a business person is outsource absolutely everything that you don't excel at, and you focus yeah, on the you things just that don't you're good do. at. Yeah, or that yeah. you just don't want to do, and you focus yeah. on on those things that that will push the needle forward for you, and everything that you possibly can, you outsource to somebody else. Well, and that you know what you just said would be a response if somebody said you know, like, why do you even work with galleries? And you can say just what you said, because it makes absolute sense. And, and I think when people talk about the art business, they always think it's sort of different somehow. Well, certainly, it's unique in a lot of ways. But basically, we're all just trying to navigate the business world if we're marketing our work, and it's not that different. So right, which is the message I often bring to this podcast. <laughs> I know, I know. And I mean, but the, but the nuts and bolts of it, you know, if, if you're talking to a business person, you can say, well, well, you get that, right? I mean, you know, you don't want to do your own accounting, for example, you have so you hire somebody. And it's like, you know, that's another way to make those connections so people understand this is a complicated thing that we do, and we all do our best to kind of navigate through um, the job, you know, <laughs> it's a job. Um, and, um, you know, those kind of things that people say that they haven't really thought about, like, how many hats does an artist wear? I mean, we do so many different things. Um 
and that that's another thing that people don't really understand. You know, it's not all just painting or whatever. There's all this other stuff. Um, and that there's a category of financial stuff that I just want to touch on a little bit, which is pricing. And this can this can be really awkward uh, if you're not comfortable talking about the price of your work, which a lot of artists aren't. Um, to talk about it face to face with somebody and you can get these people saying things that are they fl- they throw you off course um and a common one and i i think it's basically a positive remark but people say i like your work but there's no way i could ever afford it um it sort of sounds like hey you're really charging a lot um and it could be seen as a criticism but it could also be an opportunity to say um, you know, I do have smaller work or, you know, I can work with you on a, a payment plan or something like that and um, just kind of see if that door is actually open or not um, and see if they're, you know, kind of sincere about it. But the other thing is when people have this kind of, a lot of people have this attitude of, well, that's a lot of money. Well, how can you charge that much? And And even no matter how they express it and it can come across, either directly or sort of indirectly. That's a tough one for artists to respond to sometimes if they feel at all insecure about their own pricing. And sometimes it does amaze you when you stop back and you say, wow, you know, I did this thing that I love to do. And I, it was, you know, maybe that particular painting was a struggle or whatever it was, but I was thoroughly involved and satisfied in the process. And I've produced this thing. And so somebody's going to give me thousands of dollars for it. And I think a lot of artists have trouble uh, acknowledging the worth of something that they have so enjoyed or been so involved with making. And so, you know, pricing is, it's another one of those other topics that we could go on and on about, and we probably should um, at some other time. But Pricing conversations, I think if you feel one coming on, you just have to kind of be straightforward, be, you know, look somebody in the eye and say, yes, it costs $3,000. Right. (laughs) And try not to let them throw you too far off track with their look of astonishment that you get back. So, Well, um, and that's that's a conversation that's probably very difficult to have with that individual. Um, it, from, from a, I, the funny thing is, is that that person probably didn't think twice about spending $1,200 on their iPhone, even though it was right. made in China and it probably only cost Apple a few dollars to make. And well, it, and it's all relative people, people do think of art. A lot of people think of art as, you know, it's, um, well, it's decorative or it's extraneous or, you know, they, pro- many people spend more on their furniture than they do on what goes on the walls of the room and and don't like you say don't think twice about that and so you're you're you know you're up against that prejudice as well and and maybe in a kind way you can say you know it's something that you you look at all the time in your house it's going to be important in your life um and think about what else you would spend that kind of money on right um, well and also your your iphone is going to be worthless in a few years your couch is going to be worthless in a few years that piece of art is going to retain its value mm-hmm. uh, oftentimes it'll increase in value um and and that's a function of the the price system which is based on supply and demand and as as an artist what you are selling 
is not just something that looks pretty and hangs on a wall. It's a piece of yourself. And and yeah. the supply of that is very limited. And if you are, are a talented artist and you are also talented at marketing your work or you have a talented marketer in the form of a gallery or um, somebody who's you know, able to do that for you, um, then you're, you're able to, uh, create quite a bit of demand for your work. And, um, so that, that is going to drive up the value of your work. And, and that's, that's the basic formula for, for a price system. And so that's, that's where your prices come from. It's supply and demand. And, and what you described is such an unemotional oh, it and is. factual... It's a, it's a crass businessman way of describing the situation. But that's but. okay because... No, that's okay because I think that is what we need as artists to recognize that it is straightforward and factual. We get very wrapped up in the emotional aspects right. of it. And all of these questions that we've talked about today affect artists for the very reason you just said it's part of yourself and it it is uh any of these questions that center around what you do and seem slightly critical or um not understanding of you know it's it's a very personal issue and so the more that you can sort of step back and say okay what what isn't personal about this what is uh what is it that this person doesn't understand because it's not personal to them you know, and that's I think that's a good entry point of um of of having something to say back that will help enlighten them a little bit at least. Um you know, there and I said right at the beginning, there are some things that just feel hurtful and you don't have to respond to them. If you really feel like someone is um a little hostile, uh and even if it's not outright you can sense it and and i would say i ha- i have thought of a few of things that a few things that um have either been said to me or i've heard other people tell me were said to them a common one actually is i really prefer your earlier work um and the subtext kind of of that is uh you know you should go back to that in order to please me you know <laughs> it's like no that's not how it works um People might say, I really don't understand your work. And depending on the tone of voice or the context, that might be a total open door or it might be, you know, and, and I don't care if I do or not, you know, it's it's not important to me. And that's all kind of, like I said, context, tone of voice. Um, and, and another one I thought of was immediately comparing you, your work to some other artists that they like. Um, which could be in a positive way, absolutely. Um, and it could be a conversation starter, but it can also close a door in that they're saying, oh, you look sort of like so-and-so's work, but they do it so much better. <laughs> you know. And I, I actually have a, a, a quick little gallery story. When this happened to me years ago, I had brought work into a gallery, to, actual work to show the person by appointment, invitation. And she looked at it and... Um, she said, oh, you know, I don't know about your use of color or something like that. And then she said, uh, I, I want to show you an artist who really knows how to use color. Oh, and then geez. she took me to another room and pulled out these paintings. And I have, I felt so humiliated, you know, just, um, I, I can't even describe it. And, 
And she could have, you know, the same conversation could have been done in a positive light, but it, it felt really hostile to me. Like, you don't know what you're talking about, she's saying to me. You don't know how to use color at all, and I'll show you someone who does. Um, it just felt bad. And I think those are situations where you can definitely choose not to engage. You can just say, well, you know, we all have our opinions or something. Um, you don't always have to defend yourself, I guess is what I'm saying. But a lot of these other things we've talked about, I see them as as conversations that could be really interesting. And you brought up a lot of stuff that would be uh, your own perspective if somebody said these things. And probably everybody listening would have, if they think about these questions, also has a perspective that maybe just, you know, prepare yourself a little, <laughs> I guess, and and not get your back up right away when you hear this stuff. Well, do you have any final thoughts to wrap up this episode? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I I kind of touched on this, but people will tell you stories about things that people said to them in the art world, and and honestly, sometimes when I hear these stories and they're telling it to me like, oh, this horrible thing was said to me, and I think, well, was it so horrible? You know, was it maybe a time when you could have said something that was opened up a door to talk about something um they're not actually put downs but something that's just somebody doesn't actually understand and so as you mentioned early on just trying to take the other person's level of understanding into consideration and try not to take things too personally and um you know sometimes humor is your best friend too you can kind of diffuse a situation with a little joke or something well, that just about wraps up this episode of The Messy Studio. For more from The Messy Studio, please check out www.messystudiopodcast.com and sign up for the email list. You can also find The Messy Studio on Facebook, as well as public profiles for both Rebecca Kroll and myself, Ross Tickner. For more from Rebecca Kroll, please check out www.rebeccacroll.com and www.squeegeepress.com and sign up for the email lists to stay up to date on events, book signings, and openings. The Messy Studio Podcast is a core publication management production. Thanks for listening. We'll be back again next week with more art and entertainment. In the meantime, embrace your creative space, messy or otherwise. Thanks, everybody.